before we get started, I did just hear that uh, the scenario that unfolded over here, everything is good, everything is, is well. So thank you for your prayers in that. Now, we obviously have a different setup this morning, and I don't know about you, but when I think about uh, growing up in the household that I grew up in, there were certain rooms that I was allowed to play in as a boy, and there was one room in particular that we were not allowed to do anything in. Uh, it felt like going into the Holy of Holies just to cross the threshold into what we called our living room. But it was the room in which important family meetings or gatherings took place in our house. And I think about in our own house, um, there is a particular room in which our family gathers for a family meeting um, to discuss things, to have family worship together. Um, And so, actually, this all started this summer when we were on our family vacation And knowing that we were going to have this emphasis, invest in the next. And really what we need to talk about today and over the next several weeks reminds me more of the need to have a family meeting. And so I just thought, let's just lean into the idea of we're a church family. Let's gather into the living room And let's just have a family meeting as we look at 2023 and what God has in store for us. And so if you've got your LifePoint outline, you'll see that this morning, this month, we're really setting the foundation for a family meeting to describe reality in a couple of areas in the life of the church, where we're headed in a couple of those areas. And then, to be honest, what we're asking each of you to pray about committing at the end of this month for 2023. And so with that, what I'd like to do is I'd like to start on the front end by looking at Joshua chapter 24. And we're going to run through some principles from Joshua chapter 24 rather quickly. And then the balance of our time is going to be unpacking the application from this text and the application as it applies to 2023 in this family meeting. And so Joshua chapter 24 begins in verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. They're having a family meeting. At this point in the Old Testament, what has happened is God has um, called a special people in Abraham, the descendants. They've gone into Egypt. They became enslaved there. God sent Moses and Aaron after a period of time, the plagues, the Red Sea, and they have gone out. They've already been through the wilderness, and now they have come into the promised land, and they've battled, and the Lord has given over their enemies before them over and over. And at the end of the book, in the promised land, Joshua gathers the people for a family meeting because it is important as they begin to transition to living in that land that not only collectively they're on the same page, but also household to household 
they're committed to the same thing. And you see that here in Joshua 24, verse 14, a, a passage many of us are familiar with. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in, in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As we begin 2023 thinking about this passage, I want to just unpack a couple of principles that we see over the whole course of Joshua chapter 24 in this family meeting. Number one, you'll see here in the outline, Joshua assembled the people of God for an important meeting. He assembled them. He called everyone to come forward to hear what was going to be stated because a covenant needed to be made. Number two, you're going to, you, if you read through chapter 24, Joshua reminds the people of God's goodness to them. In verses 2 through 13, he goes through and rehearses for them the history that I just went through a moment ago from Abraham to the victories in the promised land. And what Josh was trying to get across is a reminder that it, where they stand today is based on God's goodness, not their human effort. Because in verse 13, he says, you are eating in places you did not till the soil. You're living in houses that you did not build. And what he's saying is God has been good to this people. And I believe as we have this family meeting, it's a good reminder that God has been good to us. Primarily in the fact that he sent Jesus Christ to die for our sin. That if we trust him, we will have forgiveness of sin. We will have heaven. We will have, as Ephesians says, a down payment of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. The joy of knowing that he's taking care of us, that he hears us. God has been so good to us. He's been good to us as a collective body in how he's blessed our church. Spiritual blessings that have been poured out, lives that have been changed. The number of people we have seen go from death to life, from darkness to marvelous light. These are God's blessings. He has been so good to us. But it is a reminder. It is by His goodness, not our efforts. Then the third thing he does here in these principles is Joshua calls the people to commit their household or their homes to the Lord. In the verses I read just a moment ago, he says... Look, God has been good to us, but you now have to choose today whether you're going to serve the idols of our fathers across the river or the idols of Egypt or even the idols that have remained in this land. But as for me and my house, we choose to serve the Lord. Look, we're having a family meeting this month, and I just want you to understand that it is important collectively 
that we plant a flag to say we will serve the Lord, but it is important that each individual household make that commitment as well. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that in a moment. Then the fourth principle, the people commit their homes to the Lord. Right after the verses I just read, the people eagerly say, we remember the God that has saved us and led us out of Egypt and has been so good to us and defeated the Amorites and all the ites that they defeated, right? And they say, we are committed. Then something interesting happens, though. Joshua, you would think he's as the leader, and he says, as for me and my household, and he's sort of out there, uh, out in front, and he hears the people go, we too, our households are committed. He would go, man, this has been a great message. But instead, the next principle, Joshua clarifies the seriousness of the commitment they are making. In the next few verses, Joshua says, essentially, you can't keep that commitment. For God is holy For God is jealous for his people to worship him only and not to serve other gods. And what what Joshua is doing is he's saying, hey, don't be so quick to make that commitment. This commitment is serious business. If you really will commit to the Lord, put away the idols from among you. As we have a family meeting here in 2023, the beginning of a lot of New Year's resolutions and sort of a clean slate, as it were, what we're asking over this month is that each household would not quickly just this morning go, I'm in, but would say, no, God is holy, and I need to take seriously the commitments that are before me and what God may be asking me to do because I need to follow through with those Commitments. And so then you see the next principle here or the next point. Verse 6, Joshua ratified the covenant of the people to the Lord. So after proclaiming the seriousness of the event, the people said, no, we still claim we will serve the Lord. And Joshua says, are you a witness against yourself if you don't keep this? They said, we are witnesses. He said, all right. And so a covenant is made between the Lord and and this people. Can I give you really good news though? <laughs> In the Old Testament, this covenant that was taking place, God made a covenant with this people, and when they could not keep their end of the bargain, God had to dole out because He is holy, because He is just, He had to create the consequences. And that's what you see happening throughout the rest of the Old Testament as they honor God and reject him and then his discipline and ultimately their exile and their coming back is because they, as Joshua told them, you can't keep this covenant. Oh, but the good news for us on the other side of the cross of Jesus Christ is that a new covenant was made. One in which God said, I know you can't keep your end of the bargain, so I'll take all the responsibility of keeping this covenant. And so his death on the cross is a covenant to pay for that which we cannot pay ourselves. And so we live in a new covenant without fear. But perfect love drives out fear. And so we have this good God. 
And so as we gather around the living room this month, I just wanted to walk through this to remind us of a couple of things. We're gathered. There's some things we need to talk about. Again, I want to paint some reality where we're headed and then specifically the things I'm asking each household to pray over. And so the first thing we're going to talk about is this, and you see it up here, invest in the next. We've been doing a lot of work as leadership, uh, really for a better part of a year, in preparing for this transition and in preparing for the direction that we feel as elders God is leading our church. And so in many ways, I want you to hear me just say, this is not just Todd Core's vision. This is what we really believe is the elders' understanding of what God is doing in the life of our church. And so one of the things we've done is we have worked on some key values that are going to guide our church. And one of those you're going to get previewed here, which is invest in the next. And what we mean by that is this, 2 Timothy 2.2 up here on this column, what you have heard in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach them to others also. You see this pattern of investing. Paul says, Timothy, you have been invested in. Now you go find others who are faithful and invest in them so that they too may invest in others. We see this cycle of investment. And so when we talk about invest in the next, this is a larger value that speaks to investing in the next generation, investing in the next leader, investing in the next small group leader, investing in the next deacon, investing in the next elder, investing in the next neighbor, investing in the next household. So it's a broader value, but for this month, we want to hone in on investing in the next generation. They're going to be raised up and discipled right here through the ministry God has in this church. And so we want to look at investing in the next generation in three particular places this morning. The first one is a financial investment. All right, I'm going to sit down for this one. I got to be honest, uh, talking about money, nobody likes, likes having to talk about money, but Jesus talked a lot about money. In fact, he indicated that the, the true indicator of where our heart's treasure is found is where our earthly treasures are found. Now, before I jump into this, let me just say this. If you are a visitor here this morning, what I'm about to share um, does not pertain to you at all. You can sit there and you don't have to grip your wallet or anything like that. You can just sit. You're a guest in our family meeting. But on the other hand, if you're a member of Harmony Hill Baptist Church, this is for you because this is our family. And so let me paint a reality because we have just built this building, our new children's building. Um, The church approved this back uh, several years ago for a $6.5 million dollar project. That project is a little bit more than just the building itself as it created parking lot and road in ingress and egress and all that kind of stuff. Landscaping, I mean, but we're just going to reference it as the building for simple purposes so I don't have to go through that whole list 
every time. All right? So let me give you some reality. We're getting really close to opening that building. I am so excited about that. Um, we have some theming that needs to be done, uh, which is sort of the pop and wow that when the kids walk in, they're going to be like, this place is for me. I'm so excited about that. Um, you notice the planes uh, in the cloud, that little structure out in the mall area. Um, that's sort of uh, the motif that will be in the new kids building is, an, is the idea of an airport. And the idea behind that is that as our kids check in as infants to preschoolers to uh, middle grades, etc., that they are getting prepared to take off. We are investing in them so that God can send them where he would desire for his obedience, for his purposes. For many of them, that may be sending right around to the student building. And then from the student building, they may land in teaching a life group someday or being a deacon or an elder or uh, a next steps person or a security team person. Or it may be that they become part of a church plant or it may be that God sends them uh, to, uh, to the foreign mission field. I want you to hear me. Our desire is that God would prepare the kids that run through that building, not just for pizza and games, but for a lifetime of maturity in Christ where they will say yes to whatever God has for their life. That's, that's what that building is, is for. And so that's the airplane motif. So let me give you some reality. Um, Six and a half million dollar project. Um, currently, uh, some of the most updated numbers is we have, and this is amazing, we have already given, like the church has given already and paid $2.9 million and some change towards that building. We have taken a draw uh, from the bank loan to complete that for an additional $2.9 million. Uh, I am not a math major, but 2.9 and 2.9 is a little under 6, and so we're doing really well. We still have the theming, the playground, so there will be more draw. There will also be more money, and every dollar that comes in goes straight to it. And so that's where we're at. So we're about halfway through paying for that building. Here's some other maybe encouraging news. Uh, even in the midst of COVID and inflation and supply chain demands, all those things that we've all suffered individually. The building itself uh, has done the same. We're doing great on budget. That is an amen from the Lord. That is incredible. Uh, but also this, we have been receiving, on average, between forty dollars and $45,000 a month towards that building. And we have not... Honestly, we have not really re-engaged in an official capacity and emphasis of giving towards that building. That's what we're doing now. Of that forty to 45000 a month, if you extrapolate that over 12 months, that's a little bit north of half a million dollars. 295 giving units in 2022 made up about a little more than half a million dollars towards that building without any sort of major emphasis and reminder of a campaign to pay this building off. 
That is encouraging to me on a couple of levels. Number one, 295 giving units have been engaged and, I mean, investing in the next generation by trying to pay for that building. It's also encouraging me because it's 295 out of approximately 700 giving units that we typically receive from in a given year, which means this. 295 giving units have been carrying a load of half a million a year, but what would it look like if all of us began to commit and give together? And we we begin to close that gap between 295 and about 700. What would that look like for us to be able to say to the Lord, we are investing in the next Because that's sort of your reality, but let me tell you where we're going. Um, And I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going to go on in that building in the next two pieces, but let me just say this because we're on the financial investment. Our desire in Invest in the Next is to create a leadership pipeline. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be investing in the next generation so that the future of this church and other churches have the leaders necessary to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's actually uh, the interim right now, student minister as of like last week. He's from the state of Mississippi. He's well-connected. Mississippi deep in the Bible Belt. He told me this past week that a report just came out that just shy of a quarter of the churches in Mississippi are without a pastor right now. I didn't have time to look that number up for the state of Texas, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was the same. You wonder why it took us, on one, on one hand at least, why it took us so long to find the next leader for children's ministry? It's because there is a dearth, there is a lack in our convention for leaders. Um, We'll talk about this in a moment, but we have a lack. We're at a little bit of a deficit of those volunteering across all ministries of our church. We need to begin raising up leaders and creating a pipeline because if we don't get intentional, it will not get better on its own. It will only get worse. And so we are to start by investing in those kids. And in the next phases, we are going to have to make some sort of commitment to the student ministry. We've had over 200, on average, probably somewhere between 215 and 230 on Wednesday nights of just students, not to count the 15 to 18 adults, in that student building. And if it's been a while since you've been in there, come by next Wednesday and see if you can find a seat. We've also made a commitment that we need to divide and split that ministry into middle school and high school. And we would like to do that as early as this coming fall. And you may ask why. Well, I've been in that seat for a while uh, over there in student ministry. You have 6th graders and 12th graders in the same room. You try teaching to 6 to 12. Literally, some of our 6th graders are playing with toys before they come in. I'm so glad they're, they're in that phase. I don't want to rush them. But then on the other side of the the table, the spectrum, you have kids that are trying to figure out, um, should, I, should I go drinking this weekend? What's God going to do with my life? Where do I need to go to college? They're trying to figure out what God's design is for sex versus all the messages in the world. I'm asking you, do you try to come over there and teach to that group, 6th to 12th grade in one room? 
We can better disciple and equip them and invest in the next if they are separate. So we have to be moving towards giving them that opportunity. Then once we take care of our kids and our youth, then we begin the greater pipeline of leadership, including adults. Because, look, we have 18 active deacons. For a church our size, that is not enough. We are going to be in the process of filling out our elder team. We need life group leaders. I'm so thankful that this year we made a step towards enlarging the number of groups that we are offering. But I think we, we need about 15, 20 more next school year to actually give everyone an opportunity to find a group who is looking for a group. I'm just telling you where we're going is not an easy road, but it is a road where we must begin investing in the next leader. And we're going to start with our kids. And so what we're asking you to do on the financial component is this. At the end of this month, the last Sunday of January, in between the third message in this series and the fourth, we're going to ask you to fast and pray over the commitment God would have you give. And the reason we're doing this is, is, is really to give those of us in leadership a, a barometer of what God is doing in our people and how much funding we can anticipate in 2023. We're going to ask you to make a one-year commitment. Normally a campaign, we'd ask for two or three. But look, we understand we are in weird economic circumstances. And so we just thought, let's take this bite of the elephant one year at a time until we've retired it. And so that's what we're going to be asking you to do. All right, we've talked about that. Second investment is next generation investment. The reality before us is this. That building, as amazing as it is, and as exciting as I believe that that playground is going to be when kids walk through the check-in area, the building and the facility itself will never disciple a single child. It will require believers in Jesus Christ, mature believers in Jesus Christ, investing the truth of God's Word and their very lives into these kids. That's what it's going to take. We can build this building, but if we don't have the volunteers to invest in them, it is vanity. If we collect all the money in 2023 to retire the debt, but we don't have enough volunteers in that building, it is vanity. So here's some reality about the program. Number one, um, it takes about 135 positions each week for Sundays and Wednesdays. That's a combined total um, to minister to the kids as we are currently programmed to do it up on this hill in that building. Uh, talking with the staff, uh, we, are, we did a really good job. I'm very encouraged. I, I want to share that I'm encouraged. Um, we saw an increase in volunteer participation this year. And for most weeks, we probably ran somewhere between 80 to 90% of what we needed in children's building for the, the ideal full number, that 135. That's, that's pretty good. Um, 
That, that's an increase from where we were, and I am so thankful if you took the challenge and you stepped forward and you made a commitment, whether it was weekly or monthly or whatever it was, can I just say thank you. Thank you. But here's part of the reality. We are moving from that building to this building. A couple of things about that. The programming itself is going to look different. It's just going to look It has to look different. We have small rooms, big rooms. We have a bunch of hallways and new directions. It's going to require different programming. We have a new leader. I am so thankful. Uh, Jerry Parmentier is going to be here this Wednesday, the first Wednesday night kickoff. And he's excited. I'm telling you, he has got ideas. But here's a little bit of reality. We need to be patient. Do not expect that the first Wednesday or Sunday that we open that building, that it's going to look flawless. It will not. Um, and so we need to be patient. Parents, please be patient with us. We are going to be evaluating and tweaking as we go. But it's not going to be, we're going to give it our best go about, man, we think this is the best plan, but just know it's going to be different. If you're a volunteer and you've been doing it a certain way for 30, 20, 10 years up here, be patient. It's going to look different over here. That's just reality. We've got new programming, new leadership, a new facility. Those are all exciting things, but they are going to require some patience. So where are we going? Um, this is a shift that has already started taking place. But I just want you to understand, if, if there is a spectrum of how kids' ministry is done, um, let's just say on this end, um, children's ministry is a daycare. And it's just a drop-off point. And there's not really even Bible stories or, I mean, it's just we take care of your kids. They've got clean stuff and snacks. And over here is a high-level engagement of the ministry, not just with the kids, but partnering with the parent in discipling their kids. If that's sort of like the strategy and everything is, is zoned towards we're not trying to be the primary disciples, we're trying to partner with the primary disciples. If that's sort of the, the spectrum, we've sort of been in the middle, all right? And that's not bad. I don't want to paint, paint it bad. I'm just saying this is where we have been and we've done it well. And here's why I think it went well for a long period of time that way. Because what we were teaching in kids' ministry was what was being taught at home and what was somewhat being reinforced at school. And even in our culture, there was a general sense of we're all on the same page. I don't think I have to tell you that's no longer the case. And so we actually, where we're heading is we need to turn the dial and start moving towards partnering with parents to be the primary disciples where we are coming in and equipping them to be the spiritual heroes in their own kid's life. Does that kind of make sense? Like we've just got to turn that dial because like Joshua, he says, you've got to throw off the idols from across the river and from Egypt. And <laughs> the messages our kids and our youth are receiving is anything but godly. But when they come here, 
We want to be a cheerleader for parents to let them know you can do this. You got this. Parents are still the primary influencer of their kids. And so we just got to turn the dial and start moving that way. And it's already been happening. We're, that, there's progress there. But we, that's why this building and the programming and the strategy is going to be different than what it looked like up here. So what we're going to be asking you to do this month is pray about how you will invest in the next generation. And we're done talking about the financial part. In this book, this is such a great book. I'm so proud of our team, our tech team that put it together, those that wrote uh, and pulled all the information together. Um, We've got one of these for every household. And if you want more than that, you can scan a QR code and get a digital, one physical and a digital per household. But in here is every volunteer position they could think of. Some of them are highly uh, engaged with the kids, like what Rob was talking about earlier, teaching. And if you're like, I like kids, but I don't like kids. There's a lot of responsibilities that you can fulfill. There's a lot of things you can do in here. Hey, and let me be honest. While I'm talking to this service, I may not say this in the others. Because I I hear it probably more often from, from those in this service. If you sort of um, mourn the fact that you don't know some of the other families because they go to different services, come meet every family with a kid by serving in that building over there. And you can be a greeter. You can be somebody that helps get the snacks together. You just be a cheerleader for parents. I want you to check this book out. I want you to think about it. Some of you, it may be, and this may not be even an option in there, that your life group, you're in a stage where it's like we, that's, we're just not physically able or able or time able. But our life group can adopt fourth grade boys. And we'll pray for them and we'll let the leadership know that if they need uh, some extra snacks or like their Christmas party, if there's something that we can do or a kid from fourth grade needs a scholarship to camp, We're the class. We are wanting to invest in them. And every week before we open up our Bible study, we're going to pray for fourth grade boys. I'm saying every one of us members has a role to play in investing, not just financially, but investing the truth of God's word in our very lives into the kids in that building. We will see somewhere around 500 unique children during the course of every month. Ladies and gentlemen, there are 11,500 children in our county. And what messages are they receiving? What does their life look like apart from God? But we have the opportunity and really the commission to invest in them. The last thing, and we'll be very quick with this, is the family investment. The family investment. Again, we've been talking collectively, but I'm coming back down to the the individual household units. Here's just my perception. I don't have as many hard um, facts and stats on this, but my perception from doing parent challenge classes and trying to partner with parents and equip them is this. There's There's a good segment of families in our church that are investing in their household the truth of God's word. And I'm so thankful for them. 
I'm so thankful. There, there are families who are doing like a weekly family devotion or family worship time, and they're having conversations when their teenager comes up and says, hey, um, there's this girl that I like, and they are figuring out how to bring God's word into the conversation, not just worldly wisdom. There's another segment of families in our church that I really believe this. They know that they are to be the primary disciplers of their kids. They don't doubt that. They actually desire it, but they feel like, I just don't know how. I never saw it modeled. Uh, I don't know what to do. Where do I start? That's where we're moving. We want to partner with you. And then I think there's probably even another group of families that that's not even on their radar that they should be the primary discipler. Maybe they're new to faith, new to church, and in their minds it's like, I've got a baseball coach to teach him how to play baseball. I've got a piano teacher to teach him how to play piano. So like the youth pastor and children's leaders, um, I've sort of subcontracted their spiritual well-being. And if that's you today, I just want you to understand, God wants to do something amazing in your family in 2023 where you begin to be the spiritual leader and developer and discipler of your kids. And so we want you to do this in this booklet again. There are family or household devotions. And I want to challenge you to use this this week. Whether you have kids at home or not, I'm asking every household to do a devotion. So we're just doing the same thing. I would say this if you've never done a family devotional where you've sat down at the table and said, hey, kids, um, we're going to open up this book. I mean, it's going to, it'll take you 10, 15 minutes. And if the discussion really gets going, don't shut it down. But I mean, even at bare minimum, we're talking a 10, 12 minute first step. Just start, just use it. And if you don't have kids at home, um, pray for these families as we're going through. There's, it's God's word. You're not going to, it's not going to be vain in your life to read this and apply it. Maybe some of you like coloring, and there's some coloring pages in here. You know, you can do that while your husband or wife is reading it to you. There's a word search. Come on, right? I'm just asking that we would stand up and say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The last couple of blanks, because I don't want anybody leaving angry on a day I'm trying to get motivation with empty blanks. Let's do this. Here's things to know for this month. Number one, the church fast and commitment Sunday will be between, uh, the fast will start the third message of this series. We'll let you know. And then the commitment will be on that last Sunday of the month. It's technically the fifth Sunday of the month. And there's instructions in that booklet about how to fast if you've never done it, um, etc. Second thing is this, um, the family devotional books. Uh, I've plugged those enough. They'll be on the tables out here. Um, you can also go out here, you've seen those planes. Um, if you are already investing in the next generation, either through giving or volunteering, I want to encourage you to go to a table, pick up a plane, and hang it on the display. What we're doing is there's names of kids in our ministry on the clouds, and the planes are those who are investing. And I pray that at the end of this month we have an, uh, uh, an aerial armada 
represented because we are investing in the next generation. Thirdly, Family Worship Sunday updates. Here's what I want you to know. We do Family Worship Sundays any month that has five Sundays, and we don't have kids' ministry and youth ministry uh, up to a certain uh, level. And the reason for that is we need to worship together. Our kids need to see us worshiping together as a family. And here's our commitment to you as a leadership. On Family Worship Sundays in 2023, we will give you updates on how we're doing in the giving, in the investing, and hopefully some stories of celebration of families who have planted the flag for their investing in their own family. And then lastly, the sermon series direction for the year, just so you can sort of see it laid out. This month, we're talking invest in the next. Next month, Pastor John's going to wrap up what he started last week as part of the transition. Uh, Then in March, uh, up through Easter, we are going to do a full assault of just praising the Lord Jesus for the work on Calvary and the resurrection. And then in May, uh, we're going to have just our normal celebratory things like uh, Senior Sunday, Mother's Day, Memorial Day, all those type of things. The summer, we're going to look at some... Uh, some, you'll hear from different pastors um, as we preach through some topics there that are still undecided. But in the fall, those values of which Invest in the Next is one, we're going to start next school year by talking about God's direction and our mission and our values and the strategy that he's laid on the elders' hearts. And so that's all coming this year. So be praying for 2023. I am excited about it. I think it's going to be amazing. And I hope, I pray You will take seriously the challenge. Choose this day whom you will serve. Let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the fact that we have a purpose. And it's a worthwhile purpose. I pray that you would move in every household. That we would take seriously prayer and commitments that we may, as a collective unit, move forward honoring you, investing in the next for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.